Welcome back to the Fantasy Advantage Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about off-season moves to date and some pre-draft player discussion. Welcome on in. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the Fantasy Advantage Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Advantage Podcast. Scott Morrow, your host again. Haven't talked to everybody since the Super Bowl. It's been kind of crazy, uh, but the the NFL offseason does not really sleep or slow down. So pretty excited to kind of tell you uh, what's going on in the fantasy world, as well as some offseason moves. And let's get into a little player pre-draft discussion. So I want to give you guys a little uh, heads up on kind of what happened what happened in the offseason with myself so far. Um, I joined a dynasty league for the first time in 15 years. So I used to have a dynasty league that I would play in uh, with my friends from college. Uh, we did that for about maybe 10 years after college. And I'm probably dating myself here, um, letting you know how old I am, but uh, have not played that in a long, long time. So on ffpc.com, I joined a dynasty league. I just bought an orphaned league. So it was just a $77 league that uh, somebody's team. And uh, so it's pretty, I mean, my team's pretty strong. So I'm really, really excited about that. So as we go through the off season, I will uh, kind of go over my team, um, you know, first couple uh, episodes to kind of talk through you know, my strategy for the upcoming rookie draft, which is in May, I have the 108 pick. So the eighth pick in the first round, actually, I have the eighth pick in every round. Um, and then I'll kind of go over my thoughts of the 108 as we get a little bit later on in the draft prospect guide. So let's get into some of the relevant fantasy offseason moves. This free agent class is pretty terrible. Uh, best wide receivers like, you know, Jacoby Myers. Uh, not really a whole lot. I mean, a lot of the guys got, you know, uh, tagged with the franchise tag. You know, you're talking about like Saquon got tagged. Tony Pollard got tagged. Daniel Jones got tagged. Lamar got tagged, but he got tagged with the non-exclusive tag. Very interesting. Later this summer, I guarantee that we will talk about Lamar. And I think some people that know me personally know kind of my thoughts on, you know, building an actual football team, not a fantasy team with somebody like Lamar Jackson. But let's break down some of the big ones. First one, Derek Carr to the Saints. So this is an interesting one. The, the Raiders just released Derek Carr. Obviously, he didn't play in the last, I think it was, game or two. And they said, hey, go away, and we'll still pay you your money. Well, Derek Carr goes to the Saints, and the Saints need a quarterback. The rest of their team's not bad, actually. Um, this is an instant upgrade for Chris Olave. Uh, those of you... Um, that listened last year. I love Chris Olave. He was my favorite wide receiver coming out of last year's class. He was like a eighth or ninth round fantasy pick last year. He's now a third round pick in a draft that I did recently. Absolutely love Chris Olave. And you know that Derek Carr, he just loves to kind of lock in on one guy, right? I mean, we saw what it was last year with Devonte Adams. You know, in prior years, it's been different players like Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller, but he loves to lock in on that one guy. And I think with Alvin Kamara being being likely suspended, 
and their de- the Saints defense, which has been really good, getting a little bit worse just because they have zero dollars to spend on the cap. I actually think they're going to be more of a pass-heavy team this year, and I think that's great for Olave. Remember, Olave is a guy that plays in the slot in three wide receiver sets, and he can play on the outside in two wide receiver sets. For Derek Carr, I don't actually think this changes much. Uh, he still has an elite weapon. He goes from Adams to Olave, but it he doesn't. Derek Carr doesn't provide really anything with his legs. Uh, he doesn't really run at all. He's a he's a solid quarterback. Um, I, I my guess is that he finishes somewhere around QB like fifteen to nineteen, so somewhere in that mid QB range. So if you're somebody who likes to wait on quarterback and not go for the elite guys, Derek Carr I think is a relatively safe play. And also the division they play in stinks. So the NFC South is terrible. The Buccaneers have Baker Mayfield at quarterback. The Carolina Panthers traded their entire existence for the number one pick. And the Atlanta Falcons are starting a second-year player in Desmond Ritter that I don't think is any good. So uh, I think Derek Carr made uh, a smart move going to the NFC, especially the NFC South. Now let's just talk about the Raiders overall. Oh, one last thing. Juwan Johnson. Um, I think Juwan Johnson, who's the tight end for the Saints, I think he gets a little bit of a small bump as well. I liked him last year. I played him a lot in DFS. He was really cheap. You know that Carr loves his tight end one. You know, I mean, even forget about Darren Waller last year, but like when Foster Moreau was in there, you know, he'd have five for 50, you know, so taking 10 points out of your tight end is great. Last year, Juwan Johnson had over 500 yards and seven touchdowns, and that was with the combination of Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton throwing him the football, which is not good. So now let's talk about the Raiders. So the Raiders lose Derek Carr, and they really needed to get a veteran quarterback. So, of course, who did they try to get? Well, Jimmy G, because that's who everyone tries to get. Now, Jimmy G has not played relevant football since basically the Super Bowl. And then they almost win the Super Bowl. Jimmy G literally misses one throw. If he hits that that sideline pass to Brandon Ayuk, I think it was Brandon Ayuk, in the Super Bowl, I mean, they win the Super Bowl. Anyways, crazy career for Jimmy G. Then he's turned into a backup. Then, he wants, then, then supposedly he's going to be traded last year. He's not practicing. Really weird. Um, I think the Raiders might still draft a quarterback. I still think that means that Jimmy G probably starts at least half the games for them. But I just don't I just don't love his upside. Now as in terms of the weapons on the Raiders, obviously they have Devontae Adams, you know, top three, five uh receiver in the game. I think it's a slight downgrade for Adams, but that Raiders defense is so bad. They're gonna be losing and they're gonna have to pass the ball. Derek Carr throws downfield a lot more than Jimmy G does. So I think you might see a decrease in yards per target and um, air yards for Devontae Adams, but I think you could easily see more catches. Then the Raiders signed Jacoby Myers. I don't really understand this signing. They have Hunter Renfro. They re-signed him to a reasonable deal, Um, and and Hunter Renfro plays mostly in the slot. That's where Jacoby Myers plays. I don't really understand this much at all. I'm sure they're going to try to push one of them outside. Then they traded Darren Waller. Um, so I'm not really sure what they're doing, but because the Raiders are going to be so bad, especially on defense, they're going to be fantasy relevant on offense because that defense is going to be so far behind every single game. Let's talk about Miles Sanders with the Carolina Panthers. 
Miles Sanders is a hard guy to pinpoint, man. He's so frustrating in daily fantasy, man. In DFS, I, every time I played him in the last two years, he was terrible. And then the next week, I don't play him. He scores three touchdowns. Now he's a really good situation in Carolina. They have a they have a better than an average offensive line. They ran the ball really well last year with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. I actually think that Sanders can excel, but I'm just not sure that he's that good. Like I just don't. I loved him. What was it? Three years ago when they drafted him. I just, I just don't know if he's that good. So he could have just been part of a system in Philly. Um, so I think it's worth taking a stab on him. You know, if you're getting him, you know, somewhere in the sixth round or later, but before that, I think there's better players to be had. DJ Moore being traded to the bears earlier. I said the Carolina basically gave up their entire franchise for the first overall pick and they did. I don't understand this DJ Moore trade. You would think that if you've got a rookie quarterback coming in, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, whoever it is, you would want to pair them with a veteran elite wide receiver. That's literally what DJ Moore is. From what I've heard, the Bears basically said no to all the Carolina offers. And then Carolina was like, uh, sure, we'll just give you DJ Moore, our best player. And the Bears were like, uh, yeah, okay, we'll take that. So DJ Moore is a borderline superstar. He's played with so bad quarterbacks. But can Justin Fields be that guy? That's the question. I think he can, but I'm not sure that it's going to click early. Um, if Fields continues to run, I just think that it might be a struggle for DJ Moore to put up the numbers we expect. Now, last year he had 118 targets. That's pretty good for a wide receiver one on a bad team, but he only had 63 catches. That's not good. That's because he's got P.J. Walker throwing him the football. I mean, seriously. I mean, remember, they started the year with um, Baker Mayfield, and they cut Baker Mayfield. That's how bad it was. So D.J. Moore doesn't really change that much for me. I think he's still probably somewhere in that. I would like to get him in the fifth round probably, but my guess is he goes in the fourth round. Uh, but if Justin Fields can take a step up in terms of his passing numbers, completion percentage, and just stop taking sacks, like please just stop t- stop taking sacks. He's so bad at that. I think that DJ Moore, you know, could be pushed into that kind of second tier elite category. David Montgomery of the now Lions. I almost said Bears. So the Lions had to replace touchdown machine Jamal Williams he scored so many touchdowns last year but they need a player who can basically be a workhorse but also catch passes basically somebody who doesn't come off the field on third down I don't know if Montgomery is that good kind of like Miles Sanders but he's adequate enough at all things he's adequate enough to run the ball between the tackles he's adequate enough to pass block and he's adequate enough to catch the ball on third down he's just not elite if you remember a couple years ago I think it was at the end of 21 the last like six games, David Montgomery was like wide or like running back two or three. It was unbelievable. He had these stretches of greatness, but I think overall he's just an average talent, but he has great opportunity. And I think the opportunities continue in Detroit. And I think they're actually better. The Detroit offense is going to be a higher octane offense. They're going to be uh, passing the ball more. I think our, the Detroit defense is improved, but still, pretty porous especially against the pass I actually feel better about Montgomery now in Detroit here versus in Chicago last year based on the amount of offensive plays 
that I expect them to run and how many competitive games they're going to be in. Now, quickly on DeAndre Swift, uh, as somebody who is a Lions fan and watches the games, the Lions just clearly don't like DeAndre Swift. No idea why. I understand he gets injured. Totally understandable if that's the reason. But he gets like 12 touches a game. And, I mean, he was a high second-round pick. So I know a lot of other people in the fantasy community love DeAndre Swift, his efficiency per touch. But it's like, I mean, you get 12 touches. I mean, he doesn't even get 12 touches a game sometimes. And I just don't, I just can't trust him. So I'm just not drafting him right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions trade him, assuming they make a running back move in the draft. And as we get closer to the draft, we'll do some more episodes and talk about how deep this running back class is in 2023. And lastly, uh, Brandon, the Cowboys. So they traded for Brandon Cooks and they and they uh, franchise tag Tony Pollard. So they also released Zeke. Very smart. These are all good moves. I think Cooks is an incredible upgrade at wide receiver for the Cowboys. He can play in the outside. He can play in the slot. And even though he's only 5'11", man, he can stretch the field. He still has that speed. I don't know about you guys, but if you would ask me how old Brandon Cooks was, I would have guessed 32, 33. No, he's 29. Feels like he's been in the league for over a decade. He's still a speed guy, and he hasn't played with a good quarterback in a while. You know, remember he was in, you know, he's been all over the place. He's been in L.A. He's been in New England. He's been in New Orleans. I'm not saying Dak is great, but Dak is definitely better than the quarterbacks he's played with at least for the last three or four years. So I expect the Cowboys to, Similar to what we I talked about earlier, I expect the, the Cowboys' defense to actually be worse this year, similar to with the Saints. So I actually expect them to pass more. And this is good for both Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. Now, Tony Pollard is simply just a stud. He just needed playing time. I This is one player that I will completely take an L on in, in, in my, uh, my fantasy takes over the last two years. I was never a draft Tony Pollard in the sixth round guy like a lot of people are but man I this last year I just I don't know what else you're gonna say he gets on the field and he scores touchdowns Zeke gets on the field and he has a yards per carry of like 2.4 Zeke scores touchdowns because he gets it from the one yard line Tony Pollard scores from the 15 every time he touches it he's just electric there's nothing else to it now I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys do take a running back in the draft you know again I'm assuming they're not going to take Bijan, who I'll talk about in the first round because that would not be good. Um, but if they take somebody else in the second, third, fourth, fifth round or whatever, I just think that Tony Potter will be a steal uh, drafting him in fantasy draft somewhere in that third round. And lastly, for free agency, I want to talk about some of the under-the-radar signings. This is a part that I did last year, and um, you know it was really helpful for those late-round fantasy flyers, whether you're in best ball drafts um, or some of those cheap guys the first couple weeks of DFS. First is Irv Smith, tight end for the Bengals. Again, Bengals throw the ball a lot. Um, Joe Burrow's been under pressure a lot. Irv Smith has a lot of talent. Couldn't really do much in Minnesota. They got TJ Hawkinson. Irv Smith signed a one-year deal for super cheap. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Irv Smith easily had 50 catches. Deontay Foreman for the Bears. We just talked about him with the Panthers and Montgomery leaving the Bears. So I, there's an opportunity for him to run the ball with the Bears. Again, when you're with a running quarterback like he is with Justin Fields, I don't expect him to be awesome. But 
if the Bears actually want to protect fields and, you know, on those third and two, fourth and one, not have him run it, just give the ball to Foreman. Two more running backs I really like, Samaj P. Ryan for the Broncos and Rashad Penny for the Eagles. These are just guys that I think are going way too cheap in drafts right now. And I think that by the time that full fantasy football season heats up in July and August, I just think that assuming these guys don't get um, running backs on their team with draft capital, um, I think that you could see these guys jumping up a lot. Austin Hooper, tight end with the Raiders. I just love these cheap tight ends. We talked about how the Raiders lost Darren Waller. They traded him. Foster Moreau left and then has some sort of disease where he can't play football anymore, which, I mean, sucks for him. But the Raiders basically don't have a tight end, and so Austin Hooper is not good. He's not that talented. But don't I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Hooper has seven or eight touchdowns this year. And lastly, some of the under-the-radar signings. Elijah Moore, not a signing, but it's a trade. Elijah Moore going from the Jets to the Browns. I know that doesn't. This seems like a lateral move because both teams kind of stink. But Elijah Moore just wasn't getting along with the Jets. I mean, the coaching staff told him to go home at one point. Then he played, but they never threw him the ball. And then he has to compete with one of the best rising superstars in the league, Garrett Wilson. So... I think him going to the Browns, who I think will be much better this year. I think Deshaun Watson will be better. Um, and I do think that they will also uh, try to throw the ball more and give Nick Chubb a few less touches. All right. Well, went through that pretty quickly. But um, last thing here is uh, I want to go through some NFL draft prospects. So in the next couple episodes, I'm going to focus exclusively on the draft and prospects to get ready for my favorite day of the year. Those who know me, the NFL draft is my favorite day of the year. It's coming to Detroit next year, I think, in 2024, and I'm going. So I absolutely love the draft. It's so much fun to talk about who did what and who took who. But today I'm just going to highlight the top two players from a fantasy perspective in the draft. So again, no defensive players. and I'm also going to avoid quarterbacks because I will do them on a separate episode for a different discussion. So first one is Bijan Robinson. I'm sure that you've heard of Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson uh, has been compared to Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley. He's a once in a generation player. He has ideal size. He's 5'11, 215. Now, there's a lot of prospect guides and modeling and all this sort of stuff. And a couple things for running backs that are important to note that are important, in my opinion. First thing is size. 210 pounds is about the minimum for a running back for them to actually be able to withstand and take carries. If you look at all the guys that are successful in the league now and have been, you know, you might think, oh, there's some of these like, uh, you know, lighter weight guys. You'd be surprised. Most, most of the guys that are really good, 215 pounds or more or 210 pounds or more. He has, uh, he can do everything. He can pass block. He can catch the ball. I mean, he had a 39% best season touchdown share percentage. So what that means is you take the total number of touchdowns that he had divided by the total number of team touchdowns, and he scored 39% of the University of Texas's touchdowns in his best season. He's projected as a first-round NFL pick, and he set the pro football focus record for most most forced missed tackles in one college season ever. There's been some pretty good running backs over the years. Basically, nobody could tackle him. He also shared the backfield with not just like an average player. So he shared the 
the backfield with a guy named Roshan Johnson. I think Roshan Johnson's also incredible. He just played behind the best player in the draft. So, you know, I just think that it, it really shows how good Bijan is because Roshan didn't play all that much, even though he's incredibly talented. And Bijan is the consensus 101 in all rookie fantasy drafts. So if you have the first pick, you take Bijan. He'll be a superstar, Saquon, caliber player for the next four to six years. And then after that, we're going to Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, or JSN. He's my number one wide receiver in the class. Uh, I won't say by far, but by a significant enough margin from Ohio State. I know it's tough for a Michigan guy like me to talk about Ohio State, but JSN is very talented. He has excellent size. He's 6'1", 196. He dominated in his sophomore year when given the opportunity. Now, don't forget, he played with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson on the same team. He was the third wide receiver. So I don't know what you expect him to do when those guys are both out there. Now, they were both randomly hurt throughout the year, missed a couple games. He had 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns. Now, 300 of those yards and three touchdowns were in one game that neither of those guys played in. I don't hold that against him. I mean, what's he supposed to do? He has a, he tested at the combine in an elite level, like top three ever at the short shuttle, three cone, and the ability drills. Those are those basically mean his route running skills and being able to get open. That seems pretty important for a wide receiver in the NFL. So some of his comparables are Jamar Chase, superstar. Juju Smith-Schuster, good was a good player. And Garrett Wilson, which was who is his teammate, who's a budding superstar. So the biggest question is, can JSN play outside? So he played uh, 89% of his routes in his sophomore year, his best year, from the slot. Now, did he play those from the slot because he he's only a slot player? Or did he play those from the slot because he had two first-round NFL draft picks on the outside? And if he wanted to get on the field, that's his only place to get on the field. I think it was the latter. I think that he can play outside, and he will show that very quickly. I mean, Ohio State just puts wide receivers into the NFL at an insane level, and this guy is the next one. He's the wide receiver one, in in my opinion, in this class. I don't really think it's super close, and he's a first-round NFL talent. I think he'll probably go anywhere between like picks 10 and 20, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone traded up to get him. All right, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit today. Uh, next week, I'm going to dive deeper into the prospects, and I'll go over my next two running back and wide receivers ranked prospects after Bijan and JSN. And then we'll also talk about how talented this tight end class is. I hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. It's great to be back. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Advantage Podcast.